Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So here's the key to my short message this morning. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. And that's really what I want to focus on, answering one question. Since the Lord knows what we need before we ask him, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do bad things even happen to God's people? That's really two questions, but it's really one question with a part A. Um, why do bad things happen since God knows what we have need of even before we ask? So I want to try to address that because we've been doing these lessons where bad things were happening to seemingly good people, right? Like, for instance, Jesus' very good friend, Lazarus, died two days before Jesus arrived in John chapter um, in, in John chapter 11. Um, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. Why her? She could say, why me? Why did I have that? I spent all my money on doctors, probably most of them are quacks, and I'm still dying here. I think of the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was demon-possessed. In our day and age, she could be demon-possessed or drug-addicted. And she, what did she do to deserve that? I'm sure she asked herself. I think about the guy who was 38 years paralyzed, sitting by the pool, and no one was there to help him go down when the pool was stirred. Not that that technically would have healed him, but he suffered all those years, almost four decades, guys. And I think about those poor 18 people in Luke chapter 12, who the Tower of Siloam fell on and they were killed. They were just workers, people, regular people. And the people that were slaughtered while they were offering their sacrifices and worship, Pilate had them slaughtered and killed and their blood mingled with the blood of their sacrifices in Luke 12 for no apparent reason. And on and on, I could go on and on. I, I really think about the poor lady in, in John chapter 4 who Jesus met at the well. She had been married five times. I'm sure all five of those divorces weren't her fault. Right? I mean, divorce, you know, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Hurt me five times, we got a problem. <laughs> five failed marriages. She had to be feeling like, why me? Why am I suffering? Why are bad things happening to so-called good people? And one more person that really just touches my heart, and that's the guy that we've been studying for the last six weeks in John 9, the man born blind. Dude was born blind. It was not an industrial accident. It wasn't, like, say, problems with some type of lack of nutrition some enzyme deficiency. The guy was just born blind, had no chance at sight. And so then there is our poster child for suffering, Job, who lost his kids, 10 kids die in one day. You gotta be made of some really tough stuff. You, you gotta be made of unbelievable stuff. People say people in the Old Testament didn't have the Holy Ghost. Somebody, Job did. <laughs> You lose 10 kids in one day. You lose all your wealth 
in one day. You lose your health in one day. By the way, the same day, the boils and sores, he took broken jar chart to scratch the boils and sores that were on his body, the pain. Uh, that, that hurts, but that the, the, imagining what hurt worse were the boils and the scab and the blood. And so his wife made this amazing statement. Why don't you just curse God and die and be over? Maybe he'll kill you too, a mercy killing. And Job made this amazing statement, folks. He said, should we only accept good things from the hand of God and not bad things? Good and bad happens. I don't have an answer for it. I can't tell you why. I can just do a quick fact check and I can tell you this. Technically speaking, there are no, no so-called good people. We're all bad people in some regards, right? Paul wrote in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. All, by the way, all in the Greek, I've said it a thousand times, all in Greek means all. All right, nothing heavy there. All of us have sinned in some regards and kept falling short of the glory of God, Paul says. But listen to this. Here's what I think is interesting. Why do bad things happen to good people or godly people? Well, I would say, number one, because the Lord wants them to happen. Because he says he knows what we need of before we ask. So obviously, some things we actually may have needed to make us better. Job in chapter 42 of Job said, I know you can do anything you want and no one can stop you, the NLT version says. Another amazing verse uh, that, that Job made a statement of, he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. Oh, I know they will put a suit or a dress on you in the casket, but trust me, at the end of the day, we are returning to dust. These bodies are the dust from whence they came. So Job made this a profound statement. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, naked when I leave. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. That's a problem because a lot of us blame God. Even saints will blame God for suffering and pain and quote unquote misfortune. Even saints will blame God. And so I think, I think one of the things I wanna do in answering this question right quick is, why do bad things happen? Why did all these people that we've been studying for the last six months, so to speak, why did these things happen and Jesus had to heal them or fix them or cure them or cleanse them or restore them, in some cases, resurrect them in the case of Lazarus? Well, here's the first part of the answer to the question why bad things happen. Number one, no one is good. None of us can say we're good. I know the rich young ruler made the statement to the Lord in Luke chapter 18. He said, um, uh, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to, to, to inherit eternal life? And you know how this account goes. Jesus cut him off. First of all, why are you calling me good? In other words, do you really know what it means to be good? Do you really get that concept? Being good is not what we think is being good. We, we think being good is not being a lawbreaker. We think being good is not having a criminal record. We think being good 
means not being a person that's a jerk. We think being good means being liked by people. We think being good just means being a person that stays out of trouble. But that's not God's definition of good. There are good people and there are godly people. God's definition of good is different than our definition of good. That's number one. And, and you say, well, Pastor Will, aren't you splitting hairs? Isn't that a little, being a little too, too technical there? No, not really. When I look at what the scripture says here in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it means everybody have messed up. The Lord says in his word that if we fail in one part of the law, we're guilty of violating the entire law. So there's, there's kind of like no grading on the curve. Most of us want to grade on the curve. We want to grade ourselves compared to somebody else. Well, I'm not a I haven't been in the kind of trouble that she's been in. But that's called grading on the curve. We're comparing ourselves to someone that's worse. That's not what God does. God compares all of us to Jesus. Because he says, be holy as what? I am holy. So Jesus is actually the standard, not us. As much as some of us would like to think that we have a halo over our heads and we have wings, we're not angels, right? We're not. So the Bible tells us that none of us can say that we're technically good. The only good that you see in us is the good that comes from God. God makes us good. And that's basically what Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler in Luke 18. He said, you're saying I'm good, but do you know why you're saying that? No one is good by themselves. Everyone that is, quote unquote, good to us, what we see in them is Jesus. We see the Jesus in them that shares the goodness through them. It exudes through us because we're letting our light shine. Amen. So I, I, I made a, a point C to this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, even bad things come from or through God for his own reasons. God allows it. God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah, but you're just protecting him. You didn't put a hedge around him. How about skin for skin? In other words, you put a hedge around him to protect him intentionally. I can't get to him. That's what I hear when I read that. I hear he's guarded. You protected him. Dude has a force field. And I'm, I'm, I take comfort in that. I'm not mad at Job. I'm thinking like, okay, wait, God gave him protection. God gives us protection. Nothing happens to us that God doesn't pre, I won't say pre-approve because that sounds kind of sinister like God is actually the one doing the work. God isn't the one doing the quote-unquote dirty work, but God permits certain things to happen to us for his reasons. That's the key. It's all for his reasons. I don't care how bad we think this is and why would this happen to me. I'm thinking about that woman who spent all of her money for 12 years on her issue of blood, whatever it was that allowed her to be ceremonially unclean, not able to enter the temple to worship, not able to interact with other people, being declared, you know, uh, unwelcome and unwanted. That, can you imagine 
not being able to date or get married, not being able to have kids, not be able to spend time with your family because you're basically unclean because of a disorder that you have nothing to do with, no doubt. And so the Lord, the, the Lord wanted her to give her a testimony. When he said, who touched me? That wasn't about ignorance. That wasn't about he didn't know. That was about, I want you guys to hear her story. You need to hear this. This is not just some ordinary lady that just snuck to the crowd and just touched the hem of my garment. This lady is special. She persevered against overwhelming odds. Her gender was against her. Her race was against her. Her, her health was against her. her. Her presence was against her. There was no reason she should have been here. I was on my way somewhere else to heal a person and she crashed the party. I want you to hear about her. Yes, bad things happen to good people, but God has his reasons for it. Don't question God, don't blame God, and don't be angry with God. That's the takeaway from this sermon to help us navigate through tough times. Sickness, bad times on our job, family issues, neighborhood issues, financial issues, health issues, emotional issues, all of those things that we look at as being quote unquote bad things, God permits through his filter for whatever reason he allows it through. He's not doing it because God doesn't tempt people according to James chapter one. God doesn't tempt us with evil, but he does allow the enemy certain limited access to us. He allows that access and it's not arbitrary and it's not unintentional and it's not meaningless. It's always, guys, I'm almost done. I'm almost done with this message. It, but it's always for a reason to help us get better. The job that we see and meet in chapter two is different from the job that we see in chapter 42. Sometimes it takes 40 chapters to change our lives. <laughs> the, Lord may, the Lord may not bless all of us to reach the beautiful age that God blessed Sister Rose Royale to reach. Some of us may not make it that long. Some of us may have a shorter three score and 10 type life. Some of us may have less than that. It's not how much life he gives us, it's what we do with what he gives us. Whether it's 10 years or 110, Lord, am I allowing you to get the glory out of my life? Am I allowing you to make me better? The Bible says that Job's latter was better than his former. I don't know how it gets better when you lose 10 kids. I don't know how it gets better when your wife tells you to curse God and commit suicide. I don't know how it gets better when your alleged three closest friends on earth tell you, dude, you're a sinner and you done done something wrong and you need to get it right and you've been wrong for a long time. Just horrible advice. God had to reprimand them too. I don't know how it gets better. But God knows how it gets better, and it got better for Job. He certainly recovered all of his wealth, plus he recovered the respect of his wife, plus he obviously recovered the respect of his friends because God made all of them go to him and beg their, beg their pardon and apologize to him. Wow. 
Wow. So God has a purpose. It's not arbitrary. That's what I want to, if I don't leave anything else with you, I want to leave that as arbitrary. I want to read to you one more verse in Romans chapter nine. Coach may be teaching on Romans later this year. That's a little secret I'm letting out. Uh, <laughs> he has the right to, he has the, he reserves the right to change his mind, but he might be revisiting Romans. But if he does, one of the scriptures that we'll probably talk about is Romans 9, 17, which, every, which says everybody, for the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. There is that phrase, I am using you, I have chosen you for my very purpose, to display my power. Whatever happens to us, whatever we're going through, it's always all about God. God is doing something. He doesn't always, he doesn't always take the time or take the liberty to share with us what's going on. But God is doing something. He's up to something. He's about something. He's moving something. He's changing something. He's developing something in us. And we don't always see it. And God doesn't always say it to us. Our job is to trust him that I know this doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why my kids are acting like this. I don't know why my spouse is acting this way. I don't know why my job is getting on my nerves. I don't know why my, my money is funny. I don't understand it all. I don't understand my health situations and my health challenges, but I know God does. I don't get it, but God gets it. I don't know what's going on, but God knows. And I want to encourage you with that message on Sunday, July 23rd. Today is the 23rd, isn't it? That God knows what he's doing in your life. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. I'm starting to head that way. God knows what he's doing, but I got to pray because I haven't prayed yet. God knows what he's doing in your life. Amen. Don't get discouraged. Not all things are bad. Not all things that seem bad are actually bad. Right? I, I've quoted it before. Uh, one of Jamie's favorite guys, Joseph. Joseph made this amazingly profound statement way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. I know it by heart. Chapter 50, verse 20. He was saying this to his brothers, his mean, evil ten brothers. Didn't include Benjamin in that because Benjamin wasn't a part of the scheme to sell him or kill him. But his other ten brothers were. Maybe it was jealousy because of that multicolored coat. Maybe it was jealousy because of the father's preferential treatment. Should be a lesson to us parents. Don't favor kids over other kids. You're creating misery for that kid. And jo Jacob created misery for Joseph. But that still didn't exonerate them from their actions or excuse or condone their actions. They sold him into slavery, yada, yada, yada. You know the story. Read it in Genesis. But this profound verse that he said while he was telling his brothers from a, a second-in-command control point of view in Egypt, he was telling them, now that I'm second-in-command under Pharaoh, you, verse 20, you guys, you brothers of mine, you blood biologists, of mine. You meant what you did for evil, but God meant it for good. And listen to this. Let me explain this. It didn't condone what they did. It did not excuse what they did. What they did was horrible. 
It was tantamount to murder. The only reason he didn't die was I think it was Judah intervened and said, you know, let's not kill him. We don't want that blood on our hands. You know, one of the brothers, it might have been Simeon, but I think it was Judah intervened. And nevertheless, they opted not to kill him, but to sell him into slavery, which is to me is just a death sentence by slower means. <laughs> he could have been killed in prison when Potiphar's wife inaccurately and maliciously accused him. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that even though the evil that that person or persons is doing to us is not justifiable, God is working something in us. He's working something in us to his glory. He's working something through us. He's working something out of us. My whole experience in St. Louis for those years on my job going through literal H-E-L-L, just going through that situation for years, I won't, I won't call his name because he could be a believer now. But my boss just, just gave me an ulcer, gave me just heartache, pain, suffering, and tried to fire me, could not quite come up with the grounds to do so, but just wanted to make life miserable to run me out of that job. A good job, too. And he succeeded because I had applications all over the country. Literally, I had like four or five headhunters. I, I was engaged with other agencies. I was looking, I was looking, just no one really was quite looking for me. <laughs> but I was trying not to get out of St. Louis. I wanted to stay in St. Louis. I was trying to get out of this job environment where this guy was, a black guy and a white guy were just crushing me. And the Lord made a way. He made a way. I mean, he made a way. When this guy named Randy Azzarello called me sometime in the spring of 1992 and said, hey, I'd like to interview with you. Can you fly to Chicago? I said, I'll be on the first thing smoking. I'll walk to Chicago if I have to, to make this interview. I went to the interview and I asked the guy, so he said, you know what, we like you, we look at your resume, yada, 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 long story short, he said, we have a job opening in St. Louis or Cleveland. Which one would you like? I said, please, St. Louis, I wanna stay here. I wanna stay in St. Louis. And so he called me back a week or so later, and said, you know what, the guy in St. Louis is gonna stay in St. Louis. Would you take the gig in Cleveland? I said, yes. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and the rest is history. But when I think about it, when I think about what happened, I think about the pain and suffering, maybe it was because, maybe it was because the Lord, A, wanted us here in St. Louis, amen? He wanted us to meet, well, Justin's gone, but he wanted us to meet Justin's grandfather, Pastor Me, and come to this church. I think it was like around July 1st or 2nd, 1992. But I think the second reason is, the Lord blessed me to start my little IT business in St. Louis and carry it to here. And it really kind of blew up more so here than there. Actually, there's still a company that owes me money that didn't pay an invoice before we left. <laughs> but God more than made up for it. But the point is, the point that I'm trying to say is that the evil that I was receiving from those managers those guys that were over me, that were making my life miserable. God had a reason. The suffering wasn't arbitrary. 
It wasn't meaningless. Amen? Are you all with me? I'm trying to go. I'm trying to sit down, but I want you to know that good things, that bad things can happen to good people, godly people, for reasons that are completely not their own, not their own fault. But God is doing something great. God is working something in us. I know he's changed a lot about me. I know he, he just really, that, that whole bad experience worked so, it made me so much more compassionate to the people that I work with. So much more compassionate to people that I was managing over there. I was a supervisor for making sure that my subordinates were well taken care of and well treated and respected. It gave me a much healthier attitude toward the work environment and making it non-toxic and non-combative and non-dramatic and giving me a better perspective about how to manage and how to work with people and how to submit to people and how to be a team player and how to be more about advancing the cause of the company or the organization than my own career. I learned all of that through pain and suffering, and it was worth it. Don't ever dismiss what God is doing in your life and just treat it as, I don't know why I'm going through this and I'm mad and I'm blaming God. God always has an intended purpose. He always has an objective and he has a destination for you. Amen. And Jessica is right. We still got heaven in our view. <laughs> That's still the goal. The goal is still to see Jesus face in peace. The goal is still to and in Matthew 25, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. That's still the goal. That's still the destination. It's not promotion. It's not the marriage. It's not the family. It's not the job. It's not the career. It's not the more money. The goal is still to see Jesus. The goal is still to be saved. Mm. I don't... I don't know why the Holy Spirit coming now. It's time to sit down. I, where was this energy when I was, where was all this energy when I was over there? I got to sit down now, but I'm just feeling this. Woo! I mean, he got to change. God is doing something in you. Don't you be discouraged. Don't stay down. Don't believe that the devil is winning because the devil is not winning. Hallelujah. The devil's not winning, and he will not win. He will not prevail. He will not get the victory over you. He will not keep you down. When God wants to elevate you, what God has for you, Todd said it, what God has for you is for you. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for the music that's about to come. We, Lord, we just ask you to take your word and place it in our hearts. We know it won't return void, but we ask you, Lord, to encourage everyone that's here this morning, everyone that's on Zoom, to be encouraged when bad things happen, to be encouraged through sickness, to be encouraged through emotions and terminations, to be encouraged through marital conflicts, to be encouraged through community and neighborhood problems, to be encouraged through employment issues. Lord, we're just asking you to let this word give us a new attitude, a new mindset, 
about dealing with our problems and about dealing with suffering and pain and even sickness. We know you're able to do it. Lord, we just ask in this service that you are glorified and your people are edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless Monday you. morning Thank moment. You. Monday morning moment. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Give me Jesus. God doesn't make any mistakes. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. We're going to sing Give Me Jesus in the key of F. And then Sister Debbie's going to come. I'm going to give you a Monday morning moment. And Tim is going to close us out. Amen. Hallelujah. So glad Andy is here to, to play with me. And uh, we miss Lisa and Lexi. But we're asking God's blessing for them. Pray for Lisa. She's traveling this week. That's middle C.